Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the 54th episode of the Cozy Show podcast, coming to you live. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, I am now on the air. Okay, so... Um, it's kind of cliche at this point, but uh, there's plenty of sports news to go around and a lot of stuff to get into, so without any further ado, as I always say in my introductions, let's do it. Here we go. Alright, so... Let's get into some Major League Baseball news. Of course, for those of you who have been paying attention, um, the Major League Baseball's trade deadline is, you know, slated for 6 p.m. Eastern Time today. And there's been some teams that have already um, made some moves Um, within Major League Baseball. So again, the Major League Baseball trade deadline uh, cutoff date is 6 p.m. Eastern Time today. And we've already, excuse me, we're already seeing movement from several different Major League Baseball clubs already. Um, You know, stockpiling on talent, you know, acquiring, you know, star players, you know, to make perhaps a, a nice postseason run. Um, a couple of notable moves have really caught my attention and may catch yours as well. So let me, uh, let me go ahead and, uh, bring that to your attention now. Uh, the San Diego Padres, as far as I'm seeing, what I'm reading, what I'm hearing, are in, you know, in the process of trying to acquire Juan Soto from the Washington Nationals. And so, this doesn't really come as much of a surprise um, to me, um, because... There were several teams in the Juan Soto sweepstakes uh, for several weeks now. Um, Certain teams include, excuse me, certain teams include the Dodgers, um, obviously the Padres, (laughs) because they're the front runners in requiring Juan Soto at this time. Um, I, I do believe the Cardinals were also a team thrown in that mix. Perhaps, you know, the New York Mets. Um, or, I guess, more spe- more specifically, the New York teams. The Mets and the Yankees. Although, I don't know if the New York Mets would have been able to pull off such a move. Because... They play in the same division 
as, of course, the Washington Nationals. And normally what will happen is if a team's trying to acquire such talent or such a talent from um, a division opponent, normally um, the division opponent will ask for a house and a half <laughs> to try to get the deal done. Normally it costs an arm and a leg for a division rival to, you know, acquire, you know, a talent from another division rival. So, normally that's how these deals get done. If that acquisition and that transaction takes place. So, but this is probably, um, this is probably not very likely as, like I said, the Padres are in the process of acquiring Juan Soto at this time. And so this only uh, adds to the narrative of, you know, of you probably heard the uh, saying, objects in the mirror may be closer than they appear. Well, that pretty much um, that pretty much describes the rivalry between the former champ, the Los Angeles Dodgers, and the uh, up-and-coming San Diego Padres. A team that looks to be, you know, not too far behind as far as talent and, uh, you know, overall star power with, you know, with these two teams. These two teams, uh, these two teams don't like each other. And the Dodgers is probably, excuse me, the Dodgers are probably more than likely, um, the Dodgers are more than likely the better team and have been for the past several years. But the Dod, uh, excuse me, the Padres have been making quite the noise, you know, on the other side of the National League West. Um, so we'll see what happens um, as these teams just seem to get better and better and better. Um, of course, we saw some good matchups between these two teams last season. And I do believe these teams will square off in maybe one or two more series before the series um, comes to a close for the season. So, there you go. But anyway, the Padres, who have been a division foe for quite some time, seems to be right on the Dodgers' heels. They seem to be... Uh, they seem, they seem to uh, be knocking closer on the doorstep to, you know, chasing the Dodgers as far as, you know, winning the National League West and, you know, making the postseason. So we'll see what happens as these two division rivals are trying to outmaneuver each other Um and all that good stuff. They're trying to outdo each other in all ways.
basically they're trying to outdo each other in every way, shape, and form. So it's going to be interesting to see how they um, how they take their next series. You know, they may play one or two more series, as I said, um, before the season ends. So we'll see what happens. Okay, speaking of Major League Baseball news, the Dodgers will take on um, another National League West division foe in the San Francisco Giants. Of course, the Dodgers beat the Giants, their hated rival, 8-2 yesterday. And so that should be a good one. Another division rivalry will be taking place today as well. The Phillies will be taking on the Atlanta Braves, the World Series champs, so that should be a good one. And also, the Seattle Mariners will be taking on the Yankees. That should be fun to watch as well. Another division matchup, wouldn't necessarily call it a rivalry, but these teams, they have no love lost for each other. They definitely don't like each other. The Mets versus the Nationals will also take place today. That should be a good matchup of two National League East teams. Um, so, should be exciting. Uh, the Reds will take on the Marlins in South Beach. So, that should be a good one should be exciting matchup. The Brewers versus the Pirates will take place um, at some point, so we'll see what happens with that. In a big-time rivalry in the NL Central, the Cubs and the Cardinals is also slated to take place um, and I'm now receiving word that, at least by what I'm reading and what I'm hearing, uh, these games will actually take place tomorrow and tomorrow night, not today and tonight. So, sorry for the confusion and the mix-up. Um, the reason these games are not taking place today and tonight is for the following reason. Um, well, and it goes without saying, it's because of the Major League Baseball trade deadline. You know, teams are acquiring talent left and right. Rather, it's the Padres in their pursuit for Juan Soto. Rather, it's the Red Sox um, moving, you know, one of their best players mid-game to the Houston Astros. That's right. There I said it. They decided to move Christian Vasquez um, mid-game in the game between the Red Sox and the Astros. Imagine that. A player gets moved mid-game to a team that you're currently playing um, during batting practice. That's exactly what happened to Christian Vasquez last night. Christian Vasquez went from being a Boston Red Sox to after batting practice, now he's a Houston Astro. 
but I guess due to uh, Major League Baseball rules, he was not allowed to play in that game that night because of the transition rules and whatever the case may be with that. But uh, it's uh, it's official. The rivalry, um, so to speak, between the Red Sox and the Astros just got that much more interesting as Christian Vasquez was moved from the Red Sox to the Astros mid-game last night. Um, you don't see that happening often, but that's what took place. And, of course, the Oakland Athletics will be taking on Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. That is another game that's slated to take place, oh, excuse me, tonight. So, you'll actually have to check your local listings, um, because between today and tonight, there will be some games that is official between today and tonight, and tomorrow and tomorrow night. I thought that, you know, Major League Baseball would take the day off due to the trade deadline, but that is not the case. So, if you want to see some of these games, check your local listings in your area for said matchups. Okay, so let me digress and transition from one professional sports league to another. Do a topic change, change the subject, and whatever else have you. Let's talk about, of course, let's talk about the NFL. Okay, so, the National Football League has training camps underway as we speak, um, and we're drawing closer and closer to week one of the season on September 11th, which so, which just so happens to be the first, you know, Sunday of September. Um, September 11th just so also happens to be, you know, basically, uh, no, not even basically at this point. It just so happens to be the 20th anniversary of 9-11. The tragic event that took place in New York City, you know, 20 years ago. So, that date has a lot of significance and still does to this day. But, uh, yes, the National Football League will be having its first slate of games on Sunday, September 11th, and that should be uh, quite the sight to see. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, so it should be good. Really should be good. A notable matchup that will be taking place um, in week one, specifically September 11th, Sunday, September 11th, will be the Browns taking on the Panthers. So it'll be the Browns' first game against, you know, one of their former quarterbacks in Baker Mayfield. Potentially, that is. That is, if, ba 
you know, Baker Mayfield can beat out Sam Darnold in this open quarterback competition that uh, the Panthers have been having throughout the offseason. And I guess by what I've been reading and what I've been hearing, head coach Matt Rule has uh, announced that he has wanted to have, you know, a decision, you know, sometime after training camp. So training camps usually end sometime between mid to late August. So he wants to have a decision by that point. So, there you go. Um, but there's plenty of good matchups to go around in week one. Um, you'll have to look it up for, you know, which matchups will actually take place week one. But I do know for sure the Browns versus the Panthers will take place Sunday, September 11th. So, check your local listings in your area for that said matchup. So there you go. Of course, we go into, excuse me, let's get into some more NFL news now. Um, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who were um, a juggernaut last season, um, appeared to be, you know, kind of the of a... They appear to be kind of like a middle-of-the-pack team right now because their center, Ryan Jensen, is out with a knee injury. And another one of, you know, the offensive linemen for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is also out um, on the shelf on injured, injured reserved. So it's going to be interesting to see how... Tom Brady is going to be protected, um, you know, with two key offensive linemen being on the shelf. Um, you can only imagine that this is not going to be the easiest ride for Tom Brady this season, you know, as two key offensive linemen are down. And, you know, I guess... If I can make a uh, metaphor or, you know, something of that, you know, a horse is going to be only as good as its trainers will allow them to be. And that's the same case here. A quarterback can only be as good as if its offensive linemen um, will give them time to be, so... We'll see uh, if Tom Brady can have the season that most, even critics, would look forward to him having, which would be more than likely, you know, a eleven to five season or a twelve to four season that he's used to. Um, and it'll be interesting to see if he even makes the postseason with two key offensive linemen being out. So, we'll see what happens. And then, of course, you have the reigning defending champ, the Los Angeles Rams. Um, you know, you're, you're going to 
we're going to have to really see what happens with that because apparently Matthew Stafford played almost all season injured. A report came out that he was playing with an injury to his elbow that, you know, he played through. And I think that I would be remiss if I didn't mention one of the key storylines in the Super Bowl. Of course, the kicker for the Cincinnati Bengals um, decided to not go to the locker room during halftime and instead watch the halftime, you know, Super Bowl show, the Super Bowl halftime show which did not sit well with the Cincinnati Bengals organization. And I do believe in my heart of hearts that if, you know, the Cincinnati Bengals kicker, who had basically, you know, had basically been the poster child, you know, of getting them to that point, you know, he was the guy that, rather it was the postseason victory over the Oakland Raiders. He was, you know, basically one of the MVPs for that game. But he definitely was when they took on the Titans and when they took on the Chiefs because he kicked a game winner um, versus the Tennessee Titans. As far as I remember correctly, you might have to look it up to make sure if that's accurate. But yes, that against the Titans and then again against the Chiefs before facing off against the Rams in the Super Bowl. I truly do believe that if the kicker from the Cincinnati Bengals, if he would have just went to the locker room instead of watching the uh, halftime show, who knows? He would have helped the team um, with their focus, um, with their attention to detail, and of course with their, you know, blueprint and their agenda to defeat the juggernaut Los Angeles Rams. Um, But that was not the case. And if I could point to any one thing being the biggest factor in the Cincinnati Bengals losing um, that particular Super Bowl matchup. Of course, many people would pent, excuse me, many people would point to the offensive line being one of the main reasons for the loss because the Cincinnati Bengals offensive line, at least at that point, or up to that point, was not up to par. So some people blame it on the offensive line. Some people blame it on inexperience. Some people blame it um, on the fact that they're too young and too green, so to speak. But I personally want to point the finger at, if I dare say, at the fact that the kicker did not join the team at halftime in the locker room and instead watched the Super Bowl halftime show. I think that was a big distraction for the team. I think that was conduct, excuse me, I think that was conduct detrimental to the team. I think that was 
you know, a big deal breaker for the team as they were heading into the second half. And I think that's what ultimately led to them losing the Super Bowl. Um, And this was a good Super Bowl and an even better Super Bowl halftime. Um, To Joe Burrow's credit, he played a pretty darn good game. Um, and darn near won it at the end. Um, but, of course, Aaron Donald, the best to ever do it at his position. Um, and in my mind, one of the game's MVPs, if I dare say that, um, basically said, hey, that's not going to happen on my watch. <laughs> not in my stadium. Not on the biggest stage. Not, you know, on at this time. So, we'll see what happens um, as the Cincinnati Bengals, as I said one, on one of my previous episodes of the podcast, will join the Los Angeles Rams in a joint practice uh, for a couple of days. So... Normally, these things are pretty cordial, pretty cool, calm, and collected, you know, you know, most, most of the time, cooler heads prevail in this situation, but sometimes there have been fights between, you know, two teams that take the same field together in joint practices. And sometimes fights have happened between just one fight that, you know, goes against each other. You know, these things tend to happen. You know, one player says something to another player, and one thing leads to another, and then before you know it, you have a skirmish on your hands. Um, But I don't think that this is going to be the case this time. You know, I'm sure that there's going to be some hard feelings, and why wouldn't there be? Because the Bengals lost to the Rams um, in the Super Bowl, and the Rams beat the Bengals to win the Super Bowl. But I don't think that this is going to play much of a factor or much of a role. Um, I think both teams will be professional and let bygones be bygones and just try to, you know, try to work. Um opposite side, you know, with both teams practicing on the same field together. So, there we go. And finally, if I could find one more thing to talk about um, as far as the NFL is concerned. Tom Brady, um, who will be entering his, you know, He'll be entering his age 45 season. And he turns 45 this month, actually. Um, For those of you, you know, uh, sports nerds and sports geeks out there that, you know, try to know about this kind of stuff. um, Just thought I'd bring that out there. But he's entering his... What is it? The his twenty second or twenty third season? Yeah, 
somewhere around that uh, area. And there's been obviously some critics, some skeptics, some cynics of Tom Brady, you know, who is approaching his mid 40s at the quarterback position. And I'm not going to say that they're wrong in their stance um, when it comes to this particular subject matter. But I will say never count out the GOAT, the greatest of all time, to play quarterback in the NFL. The man's got seven Super Bowl championship rings to his credit. And also he is potentially um, a dark horse um, he is potentially a dark horse along with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to potentially win one more Super Bowl uh, am I saying it's going to happen? that I don't know but don't ever count out Tom Brady Anytime you have that guy at quarterback with the team of this caliber, of this caliber, and that caliber of a quarterback, you can never underestimate and overlook and look past Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And especially since they've added, you know, Julio Jones of all people who has looked to be like the second coming of Antonio Brown, but um, without the diva personality and such and such. Um, Of course, as I mentioned on one of the previous episodes of my podcast, um, you know, um, Tom Brady and, of course, Julio Jones faced each other in the Super Bowl, the same Tom Brady and the same Julio Jones, who Tom Brady beat the Atlanta Falcons, the team Julio Jones, who was, excuse, excuse me, Tom Brady came back from 28 points down to beat Julio Jones, who was on the Atlanta Falcons at the time. And imagine that. He came back from, not 28 points, but 25 points down to win the Super Bowl in overtime. Um, But yes, Tom Brady came back from a 25-point deficit to win the Super Bowl in overtime in Super Bowl 51 in Houston, Texas. And a lot has been made of the Atlanta Falcons quote, choke job at Super Bowl 51. And, you know, Matt Ryan has been the, uh, you know, the subject of blame here in this situation a lot of the time. You know, he's been one of the usual suspects in this, in this case, if you will. He's been one of the primary offenders of why they lost the Super Bowl. But Julio Jones has also been made to be the scapegoat in many people's regards because, you know, that 
you know, quarterback and wide receiver duo has more often than not been a success um, game in and game out. But in this particular occasion, they just weren't consistent enough. They weren't in rhythm enough. They weren't in sync enough to, you know, beat that New England Patriots team at that particular Super Bowl. Now keep in mind, the Patriots entered the Super Bowl that season with a 12, what was it? Yeah, 14-2 record. That's basically, um, that's basically like going undefeated in many people's eyes. You know, rather you go 14-2 and or 15-1 and or 16-0, and that's pretty much a perfect record in many people's eyes. And you had the Atlanta Falcons on the other side of the ball who may not have had the best record, you know, as far as between the two teams is concerned. They didn't have the same uh, standings, but the Atlanta Falcons were definitely the be best team in the NFC. Um, they had a they had a great defense. They had an MVP quarterback in Matt Ryan, who won the MVP that season. Um, but you had Tom Brady on the other side, who was already he was already even at that point, you know, the greatest to ever do it at the quarterback position. Certainly now more than ever before. But even at that point, and we're talking 2016 on to 17, even at that time, he was looked at as probably the best to have ever done it at his position. So there you go. But anyway, you have Julio Jones, who has joined the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, so it should be a nice season for the Tampa Bay Bucks. Uh, the only reason where I excuse me, the only area I'd have concern is at the offensive line position. Because as I mentioned previously, two offensive linemen will be out. And so, more than likely, you'll get someone to come off the bench and have maybe an injured reserve. Excuse me. You'll probably have a backup or even a rookie maybe try to take the place of those two men that will be out. So probably two bench players or two rookie players or, you know, that's usually how this stuff goes. So it'll either be two bench players, two backup players, or two rookie players. We'll see what the Tampa Bay Bucks decide to do as we head closer and closer to the Sunday, September 11th season opener. So we'll see. Okay, now if I can just say one more thing about the NFL before I go on to another professional sports league and talk about that. Um, let me just say this. I personally believe, and this has nothing to do with any personal bias. This has nothing to do with, um, you know, any personal favoritism 
This has nothing to do with, you know, any, you know, personal feelings whatsoever. I personally believe that, excuse me, that Tom Brady is the best quarterback of all time in the NFL. Simply because, you know, I mean, where, where do you start? From his seven Super Bowl championship rings to the amount of conference championships that he's won um, to the amount of games he's won, both regular season and postseason. And, you know, that's not even counting the amount of talent he's been able to work with. You know, the likes of Julian Edelman, the likes of Danny Amendola, the likes of, you know, Antonio Brown at one point. You know, so he's he's worked with some great players. Randy Moss, um, you know, players like that. But he's also had great coaches to work with as well. You've had, you know the greatest coach of all time be, you know, right alongside him. And he was working alongside the best coach of all time for roughly around 20 years. And Josh McDaniels for about maybe 15 years or so. You know, he's worked with some of the best coaches, the best players, and he's competed against some of the best coaches, the best players, and won more often than not. And so I personally see Tom Brady as the best, not just because of his Super Bowl rings and, you know, his wins in the regular season and the postseason, but how he was able to make guys like Danny Amendola and Julian Edelman receivers that, you know, from afar, you would look at and say, he made those guys into superstars? Yes, he did that. You know, just his ability to make everyone around him better. That's why I consider him to be, at least in my eyes, the greatest quarterback of all time, and he's still playing. So, there you go. Okay, so, let's go into... Another, you know, topic change, if you will. Let's switch gears, do a topic change, change the subject, and digress from one professional sports league into another. Um, but before I do that, um, let me address the elephant in the room. Of course, Brittany Griner is some of you may well know has been, um, you know, imprisoned in Russia since February. Um, And the latest coming from this particular news story is that Brittany Griner is expected to face a verdict, yes, is expected to face a verdict this Friday. Um, 
and it's not for me to say what's going to happen here, but what I will say is, um, at least by what I've read and what I've been hearing, you know, trials and, you know, court cases in Russia aren't like that, you know, in other countries, you know, so... I mean, it's expected that Brittany Griner will face, you know, some sort of sentencing, but, you know, it's going to be up to the Russian government, the judges and the officials to decide what they're going to do from here. Um, it's also up to them to decide if they're going to ship her back to the United States where she belongs. So the situation just gets uglier and uglier and uglier um, by the day. So prayers and, uh, you know, wishful thinking and happy thoughts go out to Brittany Griner and those close to her. So there we go. But anyway, let's get into some, you know, said I would digress from one professional sports league to another, so let's do that. Let's do a topic change, change the subject, and digress from one professional sports league to another. Talked about Major League Baseball. I talked about the NFL. Now let's talk about the NBA. Okay, so right now, um, several teams... Um, have acquired talent. So, the Knicks have acquired Jalen Brunson, and they're trying to acquire Donovan Mitchell if they haven't already. But that's not all. Of course, the Minnesota Timberwolves acquired Rudy Gobert. Um, you know, um, Russell Westbrook in the standing with the Los Angeles Lakers is going to be interesting moving forward for all the right and wrong reasons. So, we'll see. Um, is there anything else I'm leaving out here? As far as the major news between players and organizations go, as far as who's going where, that's um, pretty much been announced already. Like I said, Donovan Mitchell is looking to, or at least speculated to be traded to the Knicks. Jalen Brunson is already on the Knicks, so that make that may make that move a little bit easier. Um, Rudy Gobert is currently with the Minnesota Timberwolves now. Um, you know the Sacramento Kings have been adding talent. You know, to try to be, you know, some kind of force to be reckoned with in a cutthroat Western Conference. Um, the Los Angeles Lakers have been in a lot of discussions as far as where they're going to, you know, stand as far as the season goes. So it's going to be really interesting to see what happens from here. 
And of course, you have their arch rival on the East Coast, the Boston Celtics, who are favored to, you know, win the 2023 um, NBA championship over the current champion, the Golden State Warriors. So we'll see what happens here. It's going to be really interesting to see uh, what's going to happen this season with all these different teams. I feel like many of these teams got better over the course of this offseason already. So for me personally, it's going to be a matter of who's the Warriors' biggest threat, you know, the reigning defending champs' biggest threat to repeating in the 2023 season, excuse me, 2022, going into 2023 season. Um, personally, I would only think of one team off the top of my head. Like, if we're talking Western Conference, um, I'd probably have to give the nod to the Clippers because they got John Wall, they got Paul George, and you have Kawhi Leonard, who's still on the injured side of, you know, the roster, but he could recover in time to be a force to be reckoned with this season as well, so you can have a nice little LA Big 3 there, and that should be the biggest threat, in my eyes, to the Golden State Warriors on the West, you know, the Western Conference side of things. Now, as far as the Eastern Conference, I think it goes without saying the team that will probably be the biggest threat in the Eastern Conference to the Warriors will probably be the same taste they face, you know, in the finals. In, of course, the Boston Celtics. Now, keep in mind, this Boston Celtics team obviously wasn't as good as the Golden State Warriors going into the series. And that's not even because of inexperience, but that's just because of the level of talent and, you know, the level of expertise and all that. So, okay, what else? Oh, yeah. And by the way, the Warriors won in the finals in six games last season on the parquet floor in the TD Garden in Boston. So, you can only imagine that the Boston Celtics looked at this particular um, ending to the season and said, you know what, that left, uh, uh, that left us a bitter pill to swallow. That left us with a bad taste in our mouth. That left us with, uh, you know, a void that we're trying to fill. And so what did they do? Well, they went out and acquired uh, Malcolm Brogdon, a star player in his own right, and, of course, Danilo Gallinari, who may not be the best defensive player in the world, but can definitely bring it on the offensive side of the ball. So um, you add those two along with Jalen Brown, who they've had for quite a few years now, and Jason Tatum, 
They're two big star players. And you also have the likes of Al Horford, who I do believe will be returning as well. That should be the biggest threat to the Golden State Warriors as far as repeating um, going into the 2022-2023 season. So we'll see what happens with that. So I talked about the Lakers, the Warriors, the Celtics, um, the Knicks. And, you know, teams just seem to be, you know, trying to acquire talent or acquiring talent more and more as the days go by. Of course, if you're an NBA fan like I am, you probably know that Kevin Durant is trying to get out of Brooklyn, away from the Nets and Kyrie Irving. And Kyrie Irving has basically made it clear that, you know, he also wants to be moved, as far as I can remember. But I do know Kevin Durant has made his trade request public. Now, as far as, as, far as the Kyrie Irving situation, as far as I know, I guess he's mentioned that he's wanted to be traded. But, you know, you'll have to look up... Uh, you know, maybe a source or two to see if that's accurate. But why, by what I'm hearing and what I'm seeing, both men want to be traded and out of the Brooklyn Nets. So there you go. And if I can find one more thing to talk about as far as the NBA uh, is concerned, um, as I'm approaching the final 10 minutes of this episode, episode 54 of the Cozy Show podcast, it would be this. So the NBA is going to have a lot of good talent in both conferences and on both sides of the ball. If I were to pick a favorite to win the NBA championship right now, although it would be, you know, maybe not the smartest if you're a betting man, but if I were to pick a team, it would be the Golden State Warriors because they've been there, they've done that, you know, it seems like 10 times over, right? But I'm not going to rule out if the Eastern Conference comes away with the NBA title and the Boston Celtics dethrone the champs, potentially. Am I saying it's going to happen? Uh, I don't know if I'm saying that, um, but what I am saying is if there's anyone who can give the Warriors some problems, you know, and the most bang for their buck, and the most, uh, most run for their money, it would probably be the Boston Celtics. The same Boston Celtics they beat in the finals, um, you know, in the finals last year. Um, but this is not the same Boston Celtics team. Like I said, they have Jason Tatum. They have Jalen Brown. They have Danilo Gallinari. And they have Malcolm Brogdon. And that's not even counting the fact that they've got, you know, Al Horford. They have, you know, guys like that. That, you know, have been established talent. Um, but they've also got 
new talent to work with that established talent. So if there's any team that can, you know, take uh, this particular championship away from the Warriors, I hate to say it, but it would be the team that I hate in the Boston Celtics. So there you go. All right, so I'm approaching the final five minutes of episode 54 of the Cozy Show podcast. Let me give some, you know, random sports facts out before the final five minutes come up. So here we go. So the odds to win the American League um, in Major League Baseball are as follows. The Yankees are favored 3-2. to two. And the Astros are favored 9-5. to five. So Yankees are the number one favorites to win the American League. And the Astros are just behind them. So no surprise there. And let's see. Um, the favorites to win the National League... Um, Let me make sure I didn't miss anything here. The favorites to win the National League is more than likely going to be the Dodgers. But let let me look at this to see if that's correct or not. Okay, so it is the Dodgers. The Dodgers are favored to win the National League. And they're favored by quite a bit to win the National League at that. Um, By what I'm reading and what I'm seeing and what I'm hearing, the Dodgers are favored to win the National League, um, you know, 8-5. to And the New York Mets, of all teams, are just behind the Dodgers. Funny, right? (laughs) Because... the Mets haven't made any noise in the playoffs or the postseason in years, decades. But okay, the Mets are just behind the Dodgers, right? And so that leaves us to who has the greatest odds to win the World Series. And I will bring that information out in just a moment. Okay, but anyway, the favorites to win the American League uh, or the favorite to win the American League would be the New York Yankees. The favorite to win the National League is, of course, the L.A. Dodgers. Um, So, no surprises on either side. Really, no surprises to me. Um, so that leaves us to who's the favorites, excuse me, who's the favorite or favorites to win the World Series. And I'm about to give that information to you here very shortly. So before I say anything else, I have approached, or yeah, I've approached the final five minutes of this episode, episode 54 of the Cozy Show podcast. So I'm going to just try to give out as much random sports news and facts that I can give 
before this episode is over. But before I do that, let me give the odds to win the World Series going into the 2022 postseason. And of course, no surprise, the Dodgers and the Yankees are the favorites. Dodgers being number one, the Yankees being number two. And that's the way it's been for the past, what, two seasons? Two, three seasons now? I know it's been the past two seasons that it's been like that. If not the past three. But it's definitely been the past two seasons. And if you look it up, it may be the past three seasons. But yes, the two, um, the two teams that are favored to win the World Series are, of course, the Dodgers and the Yankees. The West Coast and the East Coast. Imagine that, right? Um, what else? What other sports news and facts and stuff that I can get into that I can throw at you? What other sports news and facts can I give you before this episode ends? Oh, I got something for you. Okay. So, let me talk about World Wrestling Entertainment slash the WWE and professional wrestling. So, of course, WWE Raw took place last night in Houston, Texas. And, of course, Houston's own Booker T made an appearance, you know, on commentary. So it was really nice to see the hometown guy um, represent, if you will, and, uh, you know, show him city, excuse me, have his city show him some love, and him show his city some love. You know, so that was pretty nice, yeah. It was nice to see him get love from his town, and his town show that love back. It was nice to, it was nice for Houston, the city of Houston, to show Booker T some love, and for Booker T to so, excuse me, to show the city of, you know, Houston, Texas some, some love as well. So that was nice. And by the way, this was the, um, this was the, uh, Fallout episode, um, you know, basically this is the post-SummerSlam Raw. And as you could expect, it was pretty exciting, at least in my eyes. Pretty exciting, pretty interesting, pretty, pretty intriguing. You had the likes of Edge appear. You had the likes of Bailey, EO Sky, and Dakota Kai show up. Um, who else? You had the likes of... You know, you had the likes of Logan Paul um, make an announcement that he's he's uh, signed, quote, a multi-fight deal. Um, so I guess he's going to be on a Brock Lesnar type of contract. And before I end this episode, let me just say one more thing before this episode concludes. Apparently, Brock Lesnar... Um, post-match after SummerSlam uh, dropped his hat and his gear in the ring. 
perhaps signaling retirement. That's all the time I have for today. Thank you all for listening, and this is me 